Hi, and welcome to the Founders Journey Podcast. I think uh, episode number six, we're flying through them now. Um, and uh, just a reminder, Founders, Founders Journey Podcast is really about providing uh, practical tips and uh, and some of our personal experiences um, in building uh, building several startups and bringing on founders to tell their story. And um, so I'm here. I'm Greg Moran. I'm here with my uh, my co-host Peter Dean, who uh, has returned for another day. So glad to see you, Peter. Um, Thank you. And uh, and our guest today is Jeffrey Doucette. Uh Jeffrey is a is the founder and the CEO of a company called uh, Thrive. Thrive is based up in uh, in Toronto. So, um, just as a uh, just as a disclosure here, my uh, venture fund, Evergreen Mountain Equity Partners, is about to make an investment in Thrive. So, by the time that this airs, we'll probably have already made the investment. I think so. Um, or right around. Is that official, Greg? So, like, Jeffrey can celebrate now that you said that on the podcast. <laughs> or wait, you can't celebrate until this podcast airs. Is that how it works? That's right. Yeah, I think we're pretty in deep now. So we're, uh, we're, 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 we're pretty pregnant in the deal at this point. So Jeffrey, uh, nice. Jeffrey, welcome. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Thank you. Should be fun. Absolutely. So uh, just, to, just to get started, talk a little bit about yourself. Your, uh, how did you get started? What's Thrive? Why and why? Thrive. Yeah, why don't um, you tell them about Thrive first, and then we'll definitely ask you about your your journey as an entrepreneur. So, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, Thrive. We call Thrive Thrive Crew Wellness Platform. At the end of the day, it's a software platform to help people advance their careers. Um, we built a platform that helps people analyze their skill sets, compare their skill sets to job opportunities, um, the number of tools to help them search for jobs. You know, find employment, search for jobs within a large organization. Um, we sell our product uh, to large corporations, um, and large corporations use our product uh, if someone's exiting the business as like a career transition or outplacement product, or as well as they're looking to redeploy talent within an organization. We work with a lot of large enterprises that are going through, say, like technology-driven changes to their business model. An example would be like a large bank is shutting down a call center, um, mm-hmm. and they would like to provide 200 people with access to Thrive to help them move towards another job within their organization, um, as well as uh, for internal career management. Um, and recently, we've actually been picking up some large deals with, with government employment service organizations. Um, so really, at the end of the day, the easiest way to describe Thrive is really a platform to help people advance their careers. Um, we have put 70 different services integrated into our software product as a marketplace. Um, so everything ranging from upskilling and reskilling services, training services, um, skill development platforms, career coaching. Um, so it's a SaaS product, an integrated marketplace. You know, sometimes customers will say this is like, you know, a productivity tool combined with Amazon for your career. Um, and I think that's, you know, a great way to describe the product. Um, I think we have now about 130 customers around the world um, in Canada, the United States, Australia. We actually got our first large large win in Germany this week. Um, so, oh, guess that means let's go in German. I've been telling that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so yeah, that's a little bit about that. Nice. So, what you know? So, career advancement platform. A lot of lot of stuff that you could you know have focused on when you uh, you know starting. Your this is your first this is your first foray as a founder, right? Yeah, this is the yep. first company. So, uh, so you know, a lot of stuff you could have focused on. Why, why career advancement? You know, over sort of the the multitude of other opportunities that are out there. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting story. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, it hasn't been a straight line. Um, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see that we really launched Thrive three years ago. It was an evolution of an original product we built, which was called um, Career JSM. And we've been building software to help people advance their careers uh, for about seven years now. And, um, and what's been always consistent is believing that, you know, someone having a job that they love is really important. And we want to build software to help solve that problem. The way we got into it, it's interesting. So my business partner, um, is, he's our chief technology officer. His name's Tristan. I met him whenever I was in university. Um, we worked on a number of projects together in university. Um, Tristan was a web developer for the campus students union uh, shop. I was, you know, in student government leadership. So, you know, back when I was 20, I was trying to tell him what we should do for a landing page to get something up on online and, and run a campaign. Um, after... I uh, graduated from university. I was elected uh, for one year as the vice president of the students union. And in that role, you know, we offered, we had a number of services that students get access to as part of their student government fees, you know, running campus bars, um, restaurants. Um, and that was a really interesting job. Uh, learned a lot about managing people. Um, but part of my job was also making sure that the fees that students were spending on fees to universities were spent well, I was the vice president of finance of the student team. And I spent the whole year arguing with the student center, telling them that their, the, the technology that they were um, offering to students was just not good. They could be doing a lot better of a job. And at the same, at that time, there was a large trend, which I think is still a trend today of, you know, students leaving university and college, not getting a good job, moving back home with their parents, not making good money, you know, that Starbucks barista kind of trope of a university grad. And Tristan actually approached me and had started a company and had moved on and was looking to do something again. Um, and uh, like, we should start a company together. Like, what would you like to work on? And for me, it was like, look, like I just finished yelling at the student center for like the 50th time <laughs> this year that the software is really bad. So the first product we launched um, was called Career JSM. Um, and we originally started by selling it to university and college career centers. I mean, the whole goal was that if you gave better software to students to help them look for jobs, um, that helped them identify opportunities, track their opportunities, they'd be more likely to, you know, find a job. And, you know, that got started. We, we ended up, you know, raising a bit of money after initial sales. You know, a couple of years in, we were making money, um, but we, was re we, were, we realized this wasn't a sustainable long-term growth. And like, most importantly, we weren't going to be able to achieve our goals in helping a lot of people just based on the business model and the challenges we were running into. Uh, at the same time, I had a close family member of mine um, get go through a job loss and get access to outplacement and career transition services. Um, and she showed me the, the services that they were getting and the technology that was supporting her journey in a large organization. Um, and like, wow, this is similar to what we're building with Career JSM, and um, we could do a much better product. We could deliver a better product. Um, so at that point, started cold calling, uh, you know, CEOs of, of outplacement career transition companies, didn't really know anything about the industry, learned a little bit about it, was able to start selling our product to university, to uh, these career transition outplacement companies, which are not a very technology-driven industry at the time. Um, and from there, started growing, um, growing, selling to outplacement companies around the world, learned a lot about outplacement and career transition, and worked with a lot of great companies around the world, understood their problems. Um, at the same time, we started really 
learning or coming up with ideas on how we could deliver a better kind of career transition outplacement product. Um, and there was a couple of themes we were seeing in the broader labor market. People going through career transitions are often having to upscale, rescale. Um, a lot of career transition services aren't offered to individuals with lower income. And so what I mean by this is a large organization might only offer them to people that make, let's just say, just pick a number, $120,000 or more. So like at a certain level of executive. Um, then we ended up launching Thrive about three years ago out of Career JSM. And since then, you know, I think we've really found our stride. Um, the product really was an instant instant hit, um, really started great, great feedback. Um, I have, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of is our user NPS score is 80. Um, and that's for a, for a service that quite frankly is not at the best time of someone's life often when they're notified that they've lost their job. Right. Um, and, uh, and then the, the product just started going and that's, that's how we got here. Um, now that we're doing more than outplacement career transition, the marketplace model we've built has really expanded um, and we're off to the races. That's, uh, I mean, that the the order, so you, you said something that was actually interesting. Well, I mean, it was all interesting. I don't think it came out the wrong way, but <laughs> you, you. Uh, Say what you mean, Greg. <laughs> part, you know, the, the way that you went about it, I think is an interesting thing, right? So you built this product and that, because I think this is very much the way that a lot of, a lot of companies start, right? Whether they're tech or not, you built this product and it was for a different application but the problem was the same, right? And you saw, okay, but there's this whole bigger market out there. But what you didn't do was go and spend a million dollars trying to rebuild your product. What you did was start cold calling into a different market to, to understand the applicability, right? And I think there's a great lesson in there for, I think, a lot of, because a, a, lot, of, a lot of founders sort of fall into this stage of, okay, now we have to go build this perfect product for this new market. And, and you know, what, instead what you were doing was saying, well, let me just go see if I can sell this existing product into this new market. Yeah. Why don't you talk about how your, your focus was on the problem? Cause I know it's something that we've talked about in the past, but. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, at the end of the day, um, like looking for jobs and changing careers, you know, yeah. is, is something that happens throughout someone's career, right? Like you, um, if your average person is going to work like 35, 40 years, um, whether if they're lucky enough to be in one company for a long period of time, they're still going to go through often job job changes. You know, it's, it's something that happens at a number of points, right? And we started out with the, the you know, whatever the, the point that we understood, right? Like our peers had just yeah. left university and college. We understood that, um, but, you know, realized, really quickly, like, you know, actually this problem is even more acute to people at other stages in their lives. Right. And if the problem, and what I mean by that is like, you know, again, going back to the example everyone uses, like Starbucks barista living at home with their parents, that's a problem, but that's not like actually that bad of a problem. Right. Because that person is, is yeah. going to figure it out. You know, the 40 year old who has a mortgage and three children, who's, who's going through a job career change, like, that's an actual massive problem, right? Like that is something that's painful. And so, you know, understanding the problem and then looking for ways that you can, um, you apply it is, is really important. Um, and the, like I haven't at least found for our software that as we've experimented with different business models or practically gone into different areas, that it's actually been as hard as a transition as people thought it was going to be, right? Because there's yeah. a lot of commonalities. Um, the second thing I would say 
and this is just probably like interested in my DNA, like we're pretty good at like selling stuff before it exists. And what I mean by that <laughs> is like, <laughs> like, like, no, I'm like, I'm serious. Like selling stuff yeah. with, you know, PDFs or, you know, we're pivoting from university and colleges and we know we're going to have to build some admin tools for these corporate clients. So we've got a track record of delivering software. Here's some PDFs of what the mock-ups look like that we can deliver in three months if you sign a three-year contract with us. Um, and, you know, you know, not doing custom development, but being able to front load revenue for your, from your customers with, with a creative and I'd say, you know, um, transparent sales process, um, something that's also worked really well for us and facilitated the transition as the business models evolved. I think it also, you know, what it also has done too, is it, it's, it's allowed you to take, I mean, the, the business you've built without getting into revenue numbers is, is not that small anymore. Right. And, um, you know, yeah. you've been able to do that without going out and raising a ton of capital to get to this point, right? So, I mean, that that sort of approach to, hey, let's let's go out and try to sell this thing. Let's start generating revenue, and then we'll we'll start to make the the uh, incremental changes that we need to make. Is I mean, it, it, it will will ultimately mean from yeah. a founder's perspective will mean an awful lot to you in the in the so, end, right? Being able to being able to not quite bootstrap, but you know, sort of have that bootstrap yeah. mentality. To get so that. let's go back a, a little bit and talk about like, you're in university, you got a job, then you decided to not have a job. Like this is yeah. something that, you know, a, there's people sitting in university, hopefully listening to us. That's not just my mother um, listening because she's uh, way out of university. Um, but uh, what is your advice there? Because like, it's hard to do that, right? You're sitting there, you have friends getting jobs, they're very smart person, probably getting paid pretty well, and you're starting this company. That's a big difference. Yeah. So um, there's a couple things there. Like one, um, you know, I have ability to rationalize a lot of things that some other people might say are irrational. Um, but there is a thought process that goes through justifying it. And I'll, I'll give you one, right? Like, so when we you know, we didn't really make a lot any money for the first couple of years. Um, we we're making small amounts of revenue, basically and living in Toronto and paying ourselves like the bare minimum to the point where like at certain points it was like, here's how much I can e-transfer us for the next week or two weeks to just kind of get by as, yeah. as we're going on. Um, and, you know, for myself personally, like, you know, took on, ran up some more debt and starting the company, you know, a line of credit or things of that nature. But the way I actually rationalized it was like, you know, I want, I, 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 as I started getting into building a company, I was, I really actually really want to do this. Like I really enjoy, I really want to solve this problem. I really want to understand how to build a company. It seems to be something that um, I really enjoy doing and I'm really enjoying this problem. And, you know, we all know how expensive MBAs are these days or law school. <laughs> I was actually planning on going to law school. I wrote my LSATs yep. and, um, I was planning on going to law school after the year at the university. And to me, I was like, in my mind, at least my rationalization was, hey, if I run up 30 grand, 40 grand of debt, or I take 50, 100 grand of earnings off the table, um, and I like learn how to build a business um, and get going, like that seems like a really good investment in yep. like myself as an entrepreneur and as a person. And if this isn't a product, I've learned a lot to honestly take to how we like do the next product. But like, I, I don't know, like it was just never 
I never thought I was going to fit. We never thought, I never thought we wouldn't figure it out. Um, and it was just like complete conviction that like we can go and build the company. And we did random stuff to finance it. Like at some point we um, did some consulting work to just get dollars and, you know, build some yep. websites for some people to get, get money in. Right. Um, and we're, we're resourceful with it. Um, but it just seemed to be, it, it was something that made sense for us. Um, and it seemed like a logical investment of our time given, you know, the opportunity. Yeah. I love, that's, that's awesome. I love that lesson of, you know, using a startup as like a form of MBA, right? It's like, look, yeah. I can go spend $200,000 to get my MBA or 150,000 or whatever an MBA costs these days. Right? Yeah. Or I can lot. take a fraction of that money, put it into myself and go basically learn every possible lesson an MBA is going to, and then in that much more, right? And I think that, that, that's such a great uh, it's my way to think about. Where, you know, exactly it's, it's what I did. Way. I was like, yeah. do I get an MBA or do I start my own company? I said, I'm investing myself. And then that's exactly what I, that's why, that's why I like Jeffrey so much. So we think alike. <laughs> Funny story on this, actually, like a couple of years into running the company, maybe actually four or five years, we we're like 10, 10 employees and the MBA school of my alma mater contacted me to ask me if uh, I could do a talk at their school about <laughs> yeah. like, starting a technology company. Like so come back this. and tell everyone go, how to do it. No, no, I, get, get this. It's actually like still pisses me off to the day. Um, and then um, like a day before the event, they're like, oh, we didn't realize you didn't have an MBA. You can't. We don't want you to come and talk anymore. <laughs> I, I got to be careful what that I say. That is awesome. And, that and is then awesome. They hit me up for donations like a week later. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyway, it's so true. Uh, that that is, and no, so I, I had the same experience. Like I taught, and then like for accreditation, like well, you don't you don't have your MBA. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have an MBA. But you know, I have something that they don't have. It, I just have seems, a lot of pain. And that's learning. right. Yeah. <laughs> it just I got seems scars. Like, it seems like there's, you know, I, it seems like every conversation that I've been having lately has sort of gone down this education trail, right? Of like, you know, the way just, I mean, that that is such a university sort of viewpoint of the world, right? Well, if you don't have your MBA, you're not actually qualified to speak to MBAs, <laughs> but you're out doing it. Right. It's like, it's just such yeah, a doing it, it like oh, yeah, beyond yeah. doing it, right. you know, like right. to, to bootstrap to where he is today. It's like, damn, like that, that's a dream, right? That, that is like people, you know, what, like, anyhow, we could go, let's, let's go back and talk about that. I know Greg's going to go on a tangent, but I'm going to go um, on an education how, tangent. I'm how about this? Yeah. So how about this? Like, uh, you want to start out with like the best advice or the worst advice you got? I like your worst advice story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I would say a couple things on advice. So, okay. um, and, Great. um, so, so, you know, first of all, and this is something I think a lot of entrepreneurs can fall into this trap is like, there's a hype. We live in a world where like everyone wants to give advice and there are like, in my opinion, way too many professional advice givers out there. Um, and especially in the technology ecosystem, you can fall into that trap, right? As an entrepreneur, like I want yep. to raise capital. Let me go and read like all these books on how to raise capital. And like, you're not going to get closer to the goal unless you're probably talking to investors about your business and like going through that process. Right. So like generally speaking, one of my advice felt like is just like trust your gut and do it. Right. The second part of it is, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, 
you you are the one that knows your your business the best, right? Um, and you know, without getting into it, you know, whenever you you see high profile startups, you know, fail, and you know the CEO comes out and talks about how the VCs gave them a bunch of bad advice, and like that always makes me cringe as well because I think like they don't like you're the one making those decisions, right? Like you sign those term sheets, you take the dollars in, you're responsible for deploying deploying it. So there's this whole advice thing, like there, there's so much advice out there. You can almost be skittish with all the advice you're listening to. Right. Um, but there are some really bad ones that come to mind. Um, and like, so for example, you know, well, I think a general, you know, startup trope that is pretty popular is like, if there's a lot of money on the table, raise as much money as possible. Right. And we were at a point, you know, before a couple of our inflection points where our business evolved, where we were raising, I think, $400,000 or something. So not a large amount of money. Um, and I think there was opportunity for us to go out and raise more. And I was told by someone, like, you should be going and taking more money, like take on more money, raise more money, do all that. And it was kind of like being pressured to do so. And like at the, the time, like, um, I think that person had different incentives than I did, but uh, it just didn't feel right. Like, I was like, I don't know what to do with a million dollars, $1.2 million dollars. Like I, I kind of understand what I want to try to do with 400,000. And the reality would be, had I raised that much money, I don't think we would have been in a position where we would have been able to go through a couple of these like pivots or evolutions that we did. Um, we would have sold too much of the cap table, too much money would have been dumped into the company. Um, we probably wouldn't have been as patient enough to learn those lessons. Um, and it would have been really hard for us to get to, to where we are today. So you know, that's one that stands out to me. Um, and I think, I, I think that's it's a one I think that's prescient right now. Yeah, it, it's such a huge issue. I mean, it really is. Because, I mean, you've got, you know, the amount of venture capital. <clears throat> Remember, and I say this being a VC now, although I don't feel like I'm a VC, but um, but we do have a fund. But it's, you know, the the amount of money in venture today on a global scale it's like over a trillion dollars. I mean, it is absolutely just mind-boggling, not just VC, but private equity and private markets. And, the, you know, the incentive in that space is about deploying capital, right? The business model of a VC is you don't make any money unless you're deploying capital, right? It's not, you know, and that that's the thing. So that pressure to take on more and say, you know, there's not, there's not a huge amount of pressure on the, certainly on the VC level, if a company fails, Right, that's kind of part of it. That you know, so if you could deploy more capital into a company and that company blows up as a result of that, okay. I mean, add them to the other fifty yeah. percent, right? You but, have more income. Yeah, right. But from a founder's perspective, that is deadly, Not. right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. If you have a plan that says, "Hey, I know how I'm going to go and deploy four or five hundred thousand dollars. This is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to execute on that plan. I'm going to build it." To the next level, then I'm going to go out and raise a million dollars or, or a couple million or whatever. Once I have proven out this my my thesis, that you know it's just a profoundly better way to do it. But it is a misalignment with with a lot of VCs. That's ch- it, it is changing, right? Yeah. And I think as you you know these massive VC funds 
that are investing in everything. It's simply about deploying capital where you start to see different, you know, smaller yeah. funds, more specialized funds that will take a different approach on that. But it's great advice. And it's something that I, I agree with you. I mean, it is. I think so it's, too. It's um, incredibly timely right now because you just we, see so much of this stuff. We see so many times these companies getting so much money that they do things because they can, not because they should. And to your point, they like they're throwing off all this different kinds of smoke and nothing's really happening because you really have to take the steps to go through that process. You can't skip them. And sometimes right. like Jeffrey said, it's like you, you have to have the patience and it may not be there if, if you, if you're running, you know, if your meter's running hot, yep. you know? Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, again, one thing I would say is, um, and I, I know this is a theme that may come up later, uh, is you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, like we're naturally like impatient people. We naturally like want things to move as quickly yeah. as possible. Um, but like when companies are in still that like early discovery stage of their go-to-market model, like the pre-seed, yeah. like even sometimes seed stage, like there is an element to patience that you need to figure out to like, let me give you like, if you don't have 24 months of data, you don't have enough data to no. have a sales cycle, right? Like yeah. you don't have enough right. understanding right. of what you can, you know, then start actually throwing gas in the fire and like right. literally like go quickly, right? Like there yeah. is, there is an element there. And I see with people that, you know, are bored, like, I would just say like, you know, raising too early or impatient, like, you know, you should be impatient, but sometimes dollars aren't going to speed up some of these learnings you need for your business to, to be in that position. And it's like, I know this came up other like came up earlier, but like we're in year, what, seven of building a company, the average company IPO is at like 14, I think from founding um, yeah. is the average enterprise SaaS IPO. Right. And, you know, Slack was really fast and it was like year nine or 10 or something like that. And, and so, yeah, play the long game. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. it's not. Yeah, that's we we talked about it um, before, but like, there's not the unicorn stories we see and we hear about. There's all this stuff that's missing. Like, if we just took your story for three years, right? You wouldn't add that other business that was a huge part of how you built the your this business is, and that reality of that growth that you your your patience with yourself and your income. That's a huge thing, right? You 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 went through that to get here where now you're on this trajectory of, 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 yeah, of success beyond where you are today. So talk, talk a little bit about, it. I know we, we talked about in our, this in our pre-interview and I think it's interesting, right? One of the, one of the things that always that, that caught my attention about thrive. And I know it's been a big part of your story is you're not traditional SaaS. I mean, you're SaaS sort yeah. of, right. But I mean, that's had a lot of pricing implications for the way you've had to think about the, the business differently. I know there's been pressure to, Kind of conform it to uh, you know more traditional SaaS model that you've had to fight off. I mean, talk talk about that those those lessons a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that's been interesting for us. So, like, I think it is important to understand the context of the product that we're offering, um, in the sense that we are competing against what I would call professional services organizations mm -hmm. um, that typically are offering like flat rate. Um, professional services engagements on a per person basis. So one, like for us to compete as a software product against them, you know, we had to have a bundled offering that's similar to that, as well as how the customer pays and buys for it has to be similar. And this is like getting into the weeds, but 
you know, you can't show up to a procurement that says we pay for services this way with a different pricing model. Like yeah. you just can't, you won't win the deal. It doesn't matter because someone they in the procurement out. department is <laughs> yeah. going to say, well, that's not how we pay for stuff. Right. right. Um, and like that, that's just kind of like a reality, unfortunately. Um, and so we have this interesting business model where we have a SaaS fee for every person that comes onto the platform. And we earn a platform fee for all the dollars that our customers deposit in the platform. Um, and this results in a blend of, you know, what you could call like true SaaS revenue and some transactional revenue that is tied, that is very, like very tightly tied to typical SaaS usage, like on a per user basis. Yeah. But there is some flex and some spend. And, you know, some feedback we've gotten in the past is, Again, you know, people might want you to look like another company they understand that that's worked really well. Or, you know, this can be as simple as like, this silly, sounds silly, but like I've interviewed virtual CFOs who are like, well, this is my financial modeling plan. I'm like, yeah, but that's not how our business operates. Well, no, we need to do it this way. Um, no, like this is how our business works and this is what works for our customers. And so, you know, that's creates challenges sometimes in the sense when you're going out to raise capital, you're communicating about your product to a lot of investors and your business model is atypical. There is a pressure to make it look more, you know, like, like companies they're looking for. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we, that we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to get our customers to change how they want to pay for the product. Um, And second, we are trying, we are competing with fairly established incumbents. And we're trying to come in, take budget allocated for them and have it allocated to, to our product, right? So, so the business model works really well. Um, again, you know, bad advice. Like that's, you know, like I once had someone tell me I should model Slack's growth plan. Like we're not a messaging company. What are you talking about? Like that's just like <laughs> such a ridiculous thing to say to somebody, right? Like that's like, you know, telling But Jeffrey, what are you going to do if Google? What are you going to do if Google competes with you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's like, a good one. You know, yeah. Like, you want to sell pants? I'm going to kick like, their ass is what we're going to do. Makes, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what? You would never tell someone that's trying to sell dress pants that they should go and emulate how Lululemon markets their pants to women. Like, that, like that, but there's, like, there's an element to, to like, like, seeing that sometimes in the business, which is, you know, it's funny. But you just have to have conviction in what you're doing and your business model long term. It's, but you know, I, it's, it's a so great true. point, right? That's because awesome. you look at what you guys are doing and I, I don't think I'd be willing to bet nobody listening to this podcast has ever, maybe there's a few people who have ever dealt in the career placement, career outplacement industry. It is a big, big business. I mean, you are, you know, it is a multi-billion dollar global TAM that has been around for what? Like probably 80 years. And yep. And these firms operate like, like law firms, right? There's nothing wrong with a law firm, but I mean, there it's, you know, it's the domain of like senior executives. And what I love about what you guys are doing is you're democratizing that space to take it out of that C-suite and say, no, everybody in your company deserves help in, you know, in, in being able to upskill themselves and to reskill themselves and to, mm-hmm. and to move into another career from you, you deserve to provide this as an organization. Yeah. You, you know, and you owe it to your people to give them another opportunity. And it, 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 there's not that, that place doesn't exist today. And no. I think, you know, so 
when, when somebody steps in and they're saying, well, you know, follow Slack's business model or jam everything into this, jam everything into this SaaS subscription model because <clears throat> that works on my spreadsheet and I don't know how to change the <laughs> <Yeah>. columns. You <laughs> know, like <laughs> yeah. well, changing the, the columns is a big conversation, Greg. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot, man. That's right. That's right. But it's it's, it's a really more, great point. Yeah. But I think, you know, the thing is, though, you, you would have a lot of founders who would succumb to that pressure right? yeah. because, yeah. you know, they, because you start to put fundraising in front of the customer. And right. that's something you guys have, have fought off, I think, really well, which is. A, and that, you know, that's how you break it, too. Like, you could just break it. Yep. You know, absolutely. Well, one thing, one thing that like, I know we probably want to move, move on to another subject, but like the, the best advice thing I, I ever received, and this actually wasn't uh, something that was given me directly. I was at a conference like four years ago. Uh, probably when he did more of this stuff, but four or five years ago, seeing it, Toby Luke, who's the CEO currently of Shopify, um, and he was talking about the same problem that founders face, like getting all this advice. And his his thing was just like, I think, I think it's really simple and clear. It's like, what have you done to be in a position to give me advice? Like, right. like that's just like the, the whole thing, right? And and I think that that's something that we've I've really focused on. You know, when you're talking to a VC that may have been a really great operator at a company, but they may have, and this has happened, like this has happened a number of times, like they may have only ran a company that's like 500 people large, which is like a really large startup, right? Like a mm -hmm. large startup can be billions of dollars with 500 people. Mm -hmm. You know, the needs of them, uh, the needs of like Walmart or like TD Bank are so different that it can be really challenged. Like again, fighting that, Anyways, like, don't you have to keep going down yep. that topic, but like you, you're, no, I, you have to just have a lot of conviction in what you've heard from your yeah. customer. I yep. totally agree with you. I, and it's like, and as someone in the marketing and sales space, when you hear, oh, you know, you want to come because Slack's here and they're going to, I'm like, it has nothing to do with how we market your business. Like you get starry eyed and like, we want to do that. And like, it's, it has nothing to do with your customer, where they operate and how to get access to them. And they have a totally different playing field than you do. So their advice, though, just take it as a grain of salt and say, how does this apply to me? You know, like does something yeah. apply to me? I don't mm -hmm. know. I, we could go on about this. This is a great topic, but. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, so so tell us about, and, and as the, we wrap up in the last couple of yeah. minutes here, you know, where does the company go from here? What do you, what are you thinking about? Where, where do you see the, you know, the opportunity as you, you know, kind of take this company to the next, to the next level of growth. Yeah. So um, when we like, like launch Thrive um, with our marketplace model and customers being able to deposit the product, it was originally, you know, it was launched as just a career transition product, helping people when they depart their organization. Um, and, you know, we really like doing that. We see a lot of value in doing that. We don't ever want to stop doing that because we think we provide our users with a really good experience. But really quickly, you know, we started getting asked questions from customers like, we really like this. Can we use this for like internal talent mobility, um, internal redeployment? Um, we love how instead of me having to have like a contract with four different coaching providers, like three different learning providers, you know, all these employees have $1,500 professional development spend that we have to manage with spreadsheets. Like, can we get to, you know, using Thrive for those services? Um, and 
Like, so we've been focusing on that and we started to have customers using the product for more than just, uh, you know, career transition, like mid, you know, last year, um, a lot of it was hacked together. The reality is there's not an insignificant amount of work to do so because we're building our product so that with the click of a button, customers can impact the services that show up in the marketplace that are made available to people. Obviously, if someone is, you know, getting career management because they want to invest in them versus moving to the job, a job internally or departing the organization, different services are made available to mm-hmm. people because it's a much different point in their career. Um, and, you know, so, so that's, that's really where we're going. Um, I think that, you know, if I, if you talk, think about Thrive, I think in five years, you know, I, I would like our product to be positioned as just this platform for, for career advancement. Um, we, we call ourselves the career wellness platform. That's like a term we want to lean in on. Um, if our company achieves our goals, I think that that's a term that will become like a category defining, you know, term. Like whenever I think about, you know, health or I think about financial wellness, like I think those are, there's key terms that in KPIs or, or facts that people automatically associate with those. And I don't think those exist for someone's career. And we hope that, you know, I think for me, like for our vision, you know, career wellness is, you know, having a job you really like doing, um, having skills for the future um, and being well positioned to, you know, continue to grow um, and being well supported in your career. Like those are and like through, through coaching and support from your organization. And we think our platform has like something to play um, in doing all of those and, and helping people achieve those. Um, and, and that, that's really where, where we want to get to. Um, and, are they, you know, the, so, so that's, that's, that's our vision and, and that's what we hope to achieve. It's a, cool. and it's a huge vision, right? Because I mean, when you look at the state of disruption of the global workforce and, you know, I mean, you look at like world economic forum data, right. That says 50% of people over the next five years on a global level are going to lose their jobs because of automation. I mean, you guys are solving, helping to solve that problem. Right. And, um, and there's there's not a lot economically that's more that's that's a bigger problem to solve and a, and a more profound problem to solve that affects uh, that affects more people than that. So this is great, Jeffrey. Really uh, really appreciate you having having you join us today and uh, and fun having you. And um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, my my fund is uh, is investing in Thrive, so we certainly believe in it. Um, and uh, you know it's it's just incredible watching the company kind of evolve to the next level. So, Jeffrey, where where can people find you if they want to connect with you and if they want to uh, learn more about Thrive as a company? Well, um, if you want to learn everything about Canadian politics, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and no, no, I'm on Twitter, Jeffrey underscore you said, trying to tweet less about politics, uh, but uh, or on LinkedIn just by searching for me. Um, Jeffrey Doucette, our website, you know, thrivemycareer.com. Um, so you can find me on any of those, uh, any of those ways, but you know, Jeffrey Doucette, Google, pretty easy to find, I think. Awesome. Awesome. And cool. just go to the website if you want uh, more information about the company. And we are hiring a lot right now. So, um, I think by the uh, time this podcast goes up, um, if you are, you know, looking to work in for, for a quickly growing technology company, we're going to be growing our team, I think, on both sides of the border, um, both on the product side as well as sales and marketing. Um, everything probably from entry level all the way up to, to more senior jobs. So I think that um, anyone, don't feel free, feel free to reach out. Love it. 
Awesome. Thanks All for right, coming. Jeffrey. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Um, appreciate everybody joining us today for the uh, Founders Journey podcast, and we'll see you next time.